Want to hone your craft as a digital marketer and get expert insights from thought leaders and industry experts? Welcome to the How I Work podcast. I'm your host, Josh Becerra, founder and president of Agurian. Follow us on Twitter at Agurian Tweets or subscribe to our YouTube channel for more great content. Now, here's the episode of the podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Josh Becerra from Agurian. This is episode nine of How I Work. I'm here with the CMO of Sharp Spring, Chip House. Thanks for being here, Chip. Thanks for having me, Josh. Super fun to be here. Yeah. This is awesome. Before we like get into Sharp Spring and some MarTech and other things like that, you have an amazing story going all the way back to the catalog days of Finger Hut. So I'd love to hear about some of those early experiences, where you worked and what you picked up a little bit along the way. So yeah, no, thanks for the question. And thanks again for having me on. When you think about the late 80s, when I, I was leaving college, catalog marketing was still booming like crazy. So Finger yeah. Hut Corporation here in town was a couple billion dollar company with 4 million loyal customers around the country and credit consumer credit was harder to get and there weren't as many Walmarts in small towns. So there are all sorts of reasons why Finger Hut was just killing it still back in those days. And it was still pre-internet, right? If you think, but it was an amazing place to start as a marketer because they knew their customers so well and it was a highly analytically driven organization and I showed up and I had a 10 key on my desk and I crunched product level break-even analysis and shared uh-huh. an IBM AT with 10 other people and ended up moving through that organization and just learning a ton about targeted marketing and think about the money you're spending when you're targeting audiences and being really cognizant of how you select your audiences for, yeah. for best response, number one, but also so you just didn't burn a m- bunch of money. The other thing I think I learned a lot was just the value of testing. We tested like crazy everything we did from the wraps on the catalogs to the incentives, to the involvement. We did scratch and sniffs back in those days, all (laughs) sorts of crazy stuff, but it it was a great place to cut my teeth. And I got into digital in 95 there Mm -hmm. and I've never looked back from digital, but it was, I'm really glad that I said, Hey, this web thing is happening and I'd love to be a part of it. From there, where did you go then? Digital River. So I had stayed at Finger for nine years, which was much mm-hmm. longer than I thought I ever would stay. But that's why that? you stay. It must have been a good gig. That's why you stay. You're learning yeah. a lot. Smart, cool people there. Those people have scattered around the Twin Cities, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Some former Finger Hutters yourself. I think a yeah. lot of them ended up going the, the Digital River route. So I found the Digital River opportunity in the Star Tribune newspaper. If you think about looking through the job section and I saw that they were hiring for a senior marketing manager and there just weren't that many people in town. Honestly, I I will say the reason I got the job is I was one of the the few people who raised my hand in the first place, but also there weren't that many people that had e-commerce experience. I had Joel Ronning, the CEO, and became the first marketer at Digital River. And we were mostly all kids there, if you think about it. It was the wild days and we were all learning and figuring it out. But the, the great thing about Digital River is my direct market experience mattered. H- having the, I knew a report should look like, I knew that campaign tracking was really gonna be important for everything that we did. And we were able to build, this, build that into our platform in the early days. Yeah, and and so 
we ended up because we took a percentage of everything that our customers sold via the platform, it was in our best interest to help them sell. For sure. So I, I ended up hiring a, a team of people, which really became the services team. I ended up leading the account development managers mm-hmm. there at Digital River, and we were responsible for helping improve websites and doing promotions, email promotions or banner ads on behalf of our customers. And we would figure that out, how, how the money had to work. But again, we were basically sending emails for them for free because we reaped the benefits on the back end when they sold yeah, yeah. more. Yeah, I think it's just amazing to hear about when we think about Digital River today and how big it is and just like the depth and breadth of services and the reach it has and all these things. And for you to be there on the ground floor, I just, I think it's really cool. And it's a platform that has evolved over the the ages. Uh, I was looking at the Chief MarTech landscape, at least the thing that they produce that shows like all the different MarTech options that are out there for marketing execs. And like in 2011, there was 150 different logos on that. And today in 2020, they had 8,000 logos. So it's like crazy growth. And I think it's great for marketers because they have a ton of tools at their disposal. But I also think it's like overwhelming for marketers. So since you've had, now you're at SharpSpring, which is also a platform, and we'll get into that. You've been with the platforms growing over the years. What are your thoughts about like how this is expanding? What's the best way for marketers to make sense of this ridiculous landscape of MarTech. Yeah, it exploded in the early 2000s. And this slide, for some reason, every year this slide, I've seen it used in presentations. I used it myself in a presentation probably in 2011. Maybe it was the Minnesota Interactive Marketing Association or something. That was one of the the speaks that I had done, uh, speeches Mm -hmm. that I had done. But it's, there's a huge opportunity in SaaS, right? And for such a long period of time, again, back to Digital River, I had to go bribe my tech people to send emails via Unix mail. And so there, in the early 2000s, there wasn't anything for, for awesome SaaS software for marketers. So it, it did explode and it's a huge space. And because it's marketing technology focused at making money, I think that's why there's been lots of room. And also in the past 20 years, I'm not telling any secrets when I say there's obviously been the move towards cloud suites. That's what the, all the major providers, Salesforce, yep. Adobe, yeah, Oracle, right. right? Everybody's got their cloud. And with that, even all of that, though all of that rollup has happened, all these point solutions have continued to, many of them profit. I, I really wonder when I look at 8,000 here, are, all, are they all still in business? Or are some right. of them just former startups or are they startups that have made it to a hundred that has a handful of clients, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're now at a hundred K AR or something, but nonetheless, it's pervasive. And I think what we're seeing at SharpSpring is we definitely think there's a difference in having a market MarTech point solution, solve a problem versus having a platform. And we think of ours as a revenue growth platform because we're able to have and enables enable companies to manage the whole of their customer lifecycle on the platform, right? From the first time a lead sees an ad to the time they, they come into your platform, into your CRM, 
Yeah. And then you manage them throughout the life of the lead and multiple touch points and score them and nurture them to become customers and then loyal advocates over time. And you can't do that kind of thing with a point solution. And you certainly can't do it unless you're leveraging heavily APIs and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I dug around. Those logos are like microscopic now because there's 8,000 of them. So you have to, and luckily they have a feature where you can filter. And so I did some searching and I did find SharpSpring. They have you in the content and experience category with 1,900 other companies. And then there's a category of marketing automation campaign lead management. And there's 325 other companies in there. Do Do you feel like they got it right or what? Besides like marketing automation campaign and lead management, like what, what else is SharpSpring bringing as a platform? I, I'm trying to wrap my brain a little bit around the content and experience category that they have us in. And I, I don't think I would describe it that way. Agencies, especially in, in small businesses, many of them run their businesses on SharpSpring, yeah. meaning all marketing activities, all sales. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to be very different. If you go get a CRM, it doesn't do anything per se, other than store people. Maybe it helps you manage your pipeline a little bit. Yeah. If you go get a, a point solution for social, it's standalone, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're engaging with people, you might be doing social listening and engaging, but it's not backed by a CRM. It's not connected to the life cycle of that lead that you're trying to engage with all of your marketing activities through no matter what channel and with your sales team as well. And you I, bolt I on like MailChimp for your email and you guys do all of that combined. You don't need to bolt on the email client and things like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whether it's a chat bot for your site or a landing page that's optimized with our forms, which are progressively profiled because they're tied into the CRM Yeah, and they capture the lead in and then trigger off automated sets of nurture campaigns, then targeted or connected to our SharpSpring ads for retargeting if they haven't converted yet to still create awareness throughout the life cycle. And then maybe they score high enough to be then passed to our sales team. And then our sales team, it comes into sales optimizer, which gives them a set of tasks for how often they should follow up via email or phone call. Yeah. Gives actually empowers them with some smart mails, which are actually emails that they can send, but they're created by marketing sent via IMAP. Yeah. So anyway, it's hard to describe it without getting a little down into the feature level, but it, it indicates the what's different about it. I just think for for a small, medium-sized business to be able to just have one tool that they can go into and start to really become familiar with, and they can start to grow within that tool and that everything is available there. So they don't have to be getting all these one-point solutions and three different logins. And, and then does this integrate through API or not? And like all that stuff is just a headache. So I think you guys are really on it and solving a key problem, especially for a certain size business. So with all these other tools in the MarTech landscape, and you guys are doing, you're you know, embedded pretty heavily in there. Are you seeing consolidation or acquisitions? Do you think like 
some of these major enterprise people are in the business of buying versus building, or do you think it's just going to continue to be like super fragmented? It feels like the the acquisitions and consolidations have never slowed down in SaaS, mm. and any SaaS company of size has an M and A team who's out looking and assessing and things like that. Obviously, I don't have any news or anything, but it's there's that still exists out there. So yeah. I I would expect more consolidation over time. It's why many of those point solutions get into the game in the first place. Right there their whole business model is built on well, what's your exit strategy. And, and one of the optional exit strategies is they get acquired by a bigger SaaS company who's doing yeah. some sort of roll up. Yeah, I, th I think there's, it's, I don't know if it's frothy or not with the market and COVID and things like that, but it's certainly still there. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned COVID. I think you were brought in to Sharp Spring around the time when COVID started yeah. getting frothy, unfortunately. So how, if, at all, do you think the pandemic has impacted SharpSpring and your business? Yeah. So I, I joined in May, which was maybe 60 days after, a little more than 60 days after we all went into lockdown in middle middle of March. Yep. And my impression of it looking backward was that the initial panic and then some of the realization was setting in for many people that, hey, I still have customers that still need my my help if I'm an agency. I'm still an SMB. I have things to to sell online, or I, I still have a sales team to support with my marketing activities. Mm -hmm. And with that said, I think there have been winners and losers. One of the things we did this agency acceleration series this fall, where we had a number of agency influencers and broader digital marketing influencers. When I think about the macro names, we had Rand Fishkin or Seth Godin or Ann Handley. And, but then we also had people like Drew McClellan and David C. Baker, who are very much focused on helping agencies become more effective and more targeted and not be the cobbler's kids and really lean into their own branding and messaging and do the work to find what their specific, uh, uh, niche is. And so I think there's definitely agencies that have done that, that have found really what their niche is and have decided we're going to, we're going to say it a no to all these things that we yeah. don't do well. We're going to really specialize here. And those ones I would say have done well, unless they maybe their only customers, maybe United Airlines or something. Yeah. Never <laughs> ideal as an agency to have 90% uh, of your custom, your revenue tied up in one customer. Yeah, it, it, exactly. So I, th I think there's been some of that. So, but it's, we still see plenty of interest from our main targets. That's great. Cool. You have a great track record in SaaS businesses and in growing companies. So what kind of excites you? What are you looking at doing new or leaning into in 2021 here? I guess there's a couple of things. What's old is new. I think we started testing some direct mail again. Historically, SharpSpring has done some direct mail. It's from my past, certainly, and obviously. At When I was at Exact Target, we used direct mail fairly carefully. We would only use it for 
our largest enterprise prospects probably. We wouldn't use it for everybody because we are targeting a very broad set there. But with the pandemic, we were wondering, are people at home or are they at work? What's direct mail gonna look like? So we've dipped our toe in the water thinking that especially with some of the agencies that we're trying to work with, there's always somebody going to the office. Yeah, I gotta go pick up the check or manage, pay, manage payroll or whatever. And it's been promising our initial response of it and which excites me to be able to lean in and create some high touch dialogue with prospects and customers, frankly, that's multi-channel now also in the physical realm. And it just, it seems more differentiating now because the digital noise is, I would say more heightened even in the past 12 months. And so it's some of those account-based strategies like that, where we're partnering closely with the selling team. Yeah, that wasn't necessarily the answer I was expecting, but I do think that's a really cool spin on thinking about the pandemic and people's actual behavior and how like gratifying it is to get a physical piece of mail and that people are probably paying a little more attention to those things today than they have in the past when they've been in the office and like a stack of mail gets stuck on their desk versus today where they might just go into the office to grab the mail and bring it home. And now they have like more at their leisure time to digest some of those things. So I think it's really cool. That's, that's that's cool. Yeah. It's it's so much about standing out. How do you differentiate yourself from the noise? And now that's emerging as one way and maybe that'll go away over time. I, I don't know if you've heard of a company called Lessonly, Josh. No, huh? So they're a SaaS company and LMS. And I know the CMO there, Kyle Lacey, who used to work with them at Exact Target years ago, but direct mail is solid for them. And, and they have this mascot that's a llama. And so they ship out golden llamas for people. I heard stories of the, the marketing team up at night spray painting llamas so they could mail them out. But I, I think it's more of a, a, a trend. I think yeah. the other thing I'm excited about And I touched on this earlier, but before I joined, we had acquired a company called Perfect Audience, which does ad retargeting. And Uh that's now being incorporated into our platform as SharpSpring ads. And so if you think about the power of that within a platform tied to your CRM, tied to your selling list to be able to target people and individuals, and maybe even be able to retarget them with a picture of their sales rep that they've talked to and so that kind of multi-channel targeting, you know, through is really interesting now adding in ad retargeting. Yeah. And then you can send them a postcard with the ad reps picture too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you definitely could. Yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. cool. You don't get role after role as CMO and company after company without knowing a little bit about building teams and leading teams. So I think my last question really is, You've had a depth and breadth of experience. So any words of advice for other SaaS leaders? um, Because that's who's going to be watching this. So for those who are building and leading teams, like what words of advice might you have? Yeah, I think the first thing I would say is choose carefully because the, the team that you have is just so critical to your success and really take the time to do it. I've, in my own career, have made bad hires and it just creates such a problem, mostly a time suck for you. And because you can't be as efficient and effective as you want to, because you're dealing with with an HR situation. 
I think the second thing we learned early on that you should hire for talent and on hire, meaning at exact target, we hired smart people, smart young people who are not digital marketers, but you could teach them yeah. how to digital market because they were smart, they're curious, they could run a spreadsheet like nobody's business and pivot <laughs> tables. And so that's an, another tactic. So I think the, the third thing is really don't try to do it all yourself as a leader. Mm -hmm. When I think about the most effective teams we had, there are A players that I'm just feel like I'm supporting as a servant leader and pointing and re, you know, realigning where they're heading and together setting goals and strategies and things like that. But you, you need to know the details as a leader, and then you need to find people that can crush them better than you ever could. So yeah. hire people better than yourselves and get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, that is the old adage of have people who are smarter than you working for you. That's <laughs> It's just, that's easy it's for me. True. It's easy for me to do. Maybe not so easy for you, <laughs> but I think it's great. That's Curiosity good. is one one attribute that I also believe is like a, a key attribute for any like good hire because yeah. the way that this space works and moves and you just, you need people who are not want to be on the edges and want to be trying new things because I think that's where the biggest opportunity lies. So, well, so awesome. True. This has been great, Chip. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks so much for uh, accepting to be a guest on How I Work, and we'll just say goodbye for now. Josh, appreciate it. I had a fun time. See ya. Thank you for listening to the How I Work podcast with Josh Becerra. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe. To learn more about Agurian and for more digital marketing tips and insights, head to agurian.com.